They'd be shooting off. Bang, 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 bang. you we were gone a week and it felt like a year it did it did it just was we take two weeks off and it flies by and we take one week off and it's like six and a half months i'm glad to be sitting here with you absolutely recording talking about midsummer absolutely i was off last week at a uh, comic book convention which was highly successful which is excellent because this is midsummer maniacs yes the comedy recap podcast of the itv show midsummer murders each week we talk about an episode and point out the murder the mayhem the loonies and everything else we love i'm mark bell i'm sarah smith robbins Hey, how you doing out there? I did that from memory. You did? Are you proud of me? I'm very proud I didn't of mess you. it up too much. A little bit in the middle, maybe. This is a spoiler podcast, so if you haven't watched the episode, go watch the episode now. But before you watch the episode, watch my very cool reel that I made about the episode. With a little, with a little Prince reference. little Prince reference on the reel. I'll put the reel in the show notes if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's available on YouTube, too. It's a, it's a little uh, let's go crazy reference. There. Yeah. Before we dive in, just a reminder that the proceeds from the store of the t-shirts and the mugs and the tote bags and whatever you want to buy are still going to World Central Kitchen. They're over there making meals for people who need them near Ukraine. Yes. So folks who have escaped over the border, and I think they're even sending some food in to yeah, I think so. towns inside the border. So Doing good work. All the profits are going to go to that. And, yes, till June. And we're going to match them. So yep. however much you spend, that's how much I got to dig out of my Pony pocket. Out. Yep. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. We're so, happy to do it. For this week, we have for you episode five of season 20, Till Death Do Us Part. Dun, dun, dun. It's a brand new thing. It's a wedding on a midsummer. Oh, wait a minute. No, that's not a brand new thing. If your kids can handle yet another bride getting killed in midsummer, they can handle this podcast. It would be incredibly traumatic to go to any wedding in midsummer oh i would want to go i'd be like do you think she'll survive there would be there would be a pool it's really the antipathy <laughs> the antithesis of four weddings and a funeral mm. mm-hmm. so. which is why we have an episode called four funerals and a wedding yes when kelly gets married she survives her wedding. Yes. She's she is one of the rare brides that survives. We know she wedding. makes it at least till the end of the day. Yeah. After that, we I don't know, you know, we hear some stuff, but it's crazy time. <laughs> so let's go over the, the wedding episodes before this one. Mm-hmm. The earliest one I remember is the Bell Ringer episode. That is season five, episode three, Ring Out Your Dead. Okay. In which the bride gets shot shot as she leaves the church and yes. they're throwing rice at her. Yes. She doesn't even make it off the church grounds. No. Before she's dead. No. They're all successfully married, but they're all dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's also the wedding one where the woman is speared in her bedroom. Yeah. That's that's Blood Wedding, season 11, but episode she's, two. she's not the bride. No, the bride lives. It's her... Maid of honor. Isn't the bride Im- the killer? Who gets impaled into a wall. I think the bride might be the killer. I don't remember. I just remember her being really poncy yeah. and, a, and an archer person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then there's Echoes of the Dead, which is season 14, episode three. Where the bride's in the bathtub. She's not really a bride, right. but we're The counting. killer puts a wedding dress on her and drowns her in the bathtub. How, how so different. really, the moral of the story is don't put on a wedding dress yeah. unless you or you want to die or you want your friends to die. And then <laughs> we have this episode in which the bride dies. Yeah, she <laughs> right doesn't away. even make it through the reception. She is dancing to that horrific pop music and then dies. Yeah. So and this is the first dun 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 Sarah Barnaby body discovery. Yep. The first time Sarah finds She a body. doesn't do the Joyce. No. Awesome she, scream face. She's she, like <gasps> She does that. Okay. There are some problems with that cold opening. Laurel Newman is the bride. Yes. Right? And she is played by... Kelly Brook. Kelly Brook. A woman with a checkered past, to say the least. Best known for Piranha 3D. Actually, I think she's probably best known for sexting with Indra Elvis. Oh, yeah. Probably. I, I meant like her work, like yes. her f- professional work, not her personal life. No, she's a she's a per, uh, a person, a celebrity person in England. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and not quite Kardashian level, I don't think. No, but, no. But definitely like Pamela Anderson, maybe. I think I she know. does fantastic work here. Yeah. So she's not in it all that much, but she is a dead body. Hey, yeah. She may not have a lot of acting chops, but she, she studied dead. She studied she's good. dead. Eyes wide open, tongue out. Fleur touches her tongue. We'll get there. <laughs> and she's still the yep. whole time. Still the whole time. Now, I do, I do think... Having a tight corseted wedding dress helps you not look like you're breathing. What I'm amazed by is she doesn't spill her drink. Did you notice that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are four places in this episode. Mm-hmm. There are it's the radio station where the wedding was held, the flower shop, and the dress shop. Yes. It's kind of everything else is either cop shop or stuff that we're used to. Well, there's the wedding planner's office. But we're not there very much. We're not there very much. And apparently Jordan just hangs out outside to have conversations. Did you notice that? (laughs) Right off the bat, we've got two jerks. Yes. Right? Jordan Briggs is on the radio. And he is so incredibly rude. He's on Midsummer FM. He's not even clever rude. He's just rude. The voice of the county. And then when we meet Hazel, who is Sarah's college friend she's rude i remember like okay she's so, mean to barnaby so i don't like her right away i i was like that and we've talked about this before i get about 10 minutes in the episode and i'm like who's the killer again even though we're really close to an yeah. episode that we just watched so so i'm like i wonder who they oh no it's her yeah i was like immediately i re- remembered it was her and Hazel Webster is played by Fenella Wolgar. Wolgar. Ooh, that's a tough name. Um, she's been in lots and lots of things. So much stuff. And she's been in roles where she is warm and caring, and she's got these bright, big, bright blue eyes that can, like, be really charming. But she also has these facial features that are kind of narrow and pinched. Oh. So when she wants to look nasty. She can do it. And yeah. right off the bat in this episode, when she's talking to John at the wedding, she's got that pinched face on. And I'm just like, I think you're the killer if I remember right. And if you're not, I hope you get killed because I don't like you. Yeah. Stop being mean to him. Right away. 
that passive aggressive mean with a smile. Oh, I hate that so much. Uh, Don't like people who do that. A couple of things right off the beginning in the cold open. There's a song. Uh, we checked it out. It's a fake song. The feels like coming home song. Yes. I. It sounds like a real song. If it's fake, good job. I because put it on it a speaker and pointed my to cell phone to it. You sh- you did a winter Shazam we'll, on it. We'll get, we'll get to winter Shazam. I looked it up because I'm like, wow, they licensed a song. Who yeah. sings that song again? No, nobody. It sounded so familiar no. to me. No, they have discs of these music that I'm sure that every production company has like five or six of these discs. Yeah, and just puts it in. It was good. And then Barnaby, Sarah finds the dead body. Yes. Because they're at the wedding because... The groom's mother is her friend. Yes, the groom's mother is her friend. Pinch face Hazel. Pinch face Hazel. (laughs) And then she finds the dead body of Laurel. Yes. Who is in her wedding dress. Yes. Supposedly, like, killed by corset. We don't know that yet. Right. But her tongue is hanging out. And there's a ribbon tied around it. There's a ribbon tied around it. And her eyes are wide open, and she has a glass of champagne. In her hand. In her hand. It is, I double-checked, there are no photos. She does a good dead body. Yeah, there's no still shots to make it look like she's being still. She's actually being still. And on the slab, when it's just her with her hair wet, she's right on there. Yeah. The only Good job, Kelly Brooke. There's one (laughs) mistake that she makes. Her eye moves ever so slightly in one shot but that's it i don't care that's she, good she she is i would say if not top five top 10 dead body in this in the entire show i just imagine them prepping for that scene where her body's covered and somebody's got to come over and tie that ribbon around her tongue so he's like okay is it tied now okay you want me to lay down my bed yeah okay i laid down my bed is this how you want me to lay on the bed <laughs> been awful her tongue would have got all dry and i bet like you know they had to like untie it several times and tie it again and like, that's too tight can you loosen up the ribbon on my tongue a little bit <laughs> but it's been so hard to do now when we get the reveal of the murder later on i'll talk about the problems i have with okay. this murder. okay okay because the idea is that well first of all the idea is that she has been so corseted that somebody pulled the corset so tight it killed her. That it broke her rib, which ruptured her spleen, and she bled out internally. Yes. That's the cause of death. Yes. That's incredibly hard to do, right? So we'll, we'll get to you that. You want to talk? Okay. Yeah, we'll get yeah, to yeah. that yeah, in yeah. the end. But there have been women, and, you know, it was, a, it was almost a late 19th century, early 20th century trope that that corsets were killing women. Mm. Like Murdoch has an episode about it, mm. right? And uh, there was a very famous actress named Kitty Tyrell who was supposedly killed because she wore corsets so much it did damage to her internal organs. And she kind of became a... Like the poster child. Like the poster child. If you put in corset death in a safe search, <laughs> <laughs> you you get... Tons of Kitty Tyrell stuff. Mr. Bell, we need to talk to you. (laughs) We've been uh, observing your search. Yes. We thought your wife's search was bad, but uh, we need to talk to you. We find out that, we find out from Fleur that she died this way. Yes. Right. And we find out that the dress was made by Lily Lulu. (laughs) 
Serena is her name, but her company is called Lily Lulu. I looked as closely Lily as I Lulu could. Lilylulubridal.co.uk. I looked as closely <laughs> as I could at that tag. tag. Her name does not appear anywhere on the tag. No, and it's Bar- just... Barnaby later on says her name was on the tag. Lily Lulu was on the tag. Yes. That's, and that's her company. That's her. My, my favorite bit of, of the dead body discovery scene is afterwards where poor Sarah is sitting on the back bumper of the ambulance yes, in a blanket. With a, She's with a blanket. Clearly She's in, in shock. shock. The groom is sitting on the stairs opposite her, losing it, falling apart. And the EMT gives Sarah some tea and walks away. <laughs> like if anybody needs help, he needs help. Like, yeah, his parents are comforting him, but he should be losing his mind. I'm so. And she gets the tea. I'm so <laughs> broken because I didn't notice any of. Well, I did notice it on the third or fourth time through. Why are you watching that scene three or four times, Mark? Because the blonde woman who works at the radio station walks through. <laughs> <laughs> You're always watching the extras. I'm watching the extras. Yeah. So, so it's Lauren and Gavin getting married. Yes. Gavin's parents are Hazel and Phil. Yes. And the wedding is organized by Juliet and her she's the wedding planner. Yes. Her assistant is Grace, who's the daughter of the jerk on the radio. Yes. And that's everybody. And basically. Jordan and, and then Laurel have the radio show together. They used to. Yes. But now she's dead, so they can't. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Phil missed the ceremony. Yes. Because he just got out of prison. So your dad misses your wedding because he's no, no, having. No, Jordan misses the wedding. Phil's there. No, no. Phil's not there either. No, no. He's because there. he says, initially he says he had a migraine and then he admits he had an anxiety attack. And that's happened since he got out of prison. Well, he's then, not there. Well, then there's a huge hole because the woman who gets killed second, Aisha, third, mm-hmm. third, she pulls his parents onto the dance floor and then pulls the Barnabys. Oh, no. He's at the reception. He's oh, just not at the wedding. He's not at the wedding. Okay. Yeah. He's okay. not at the wedding. Yeah, yeah. He, because he's just got out of prison a few months ago and, and he's still having some issues about it. Yeah. And more on that incredibly sad story later. later. Yeah. And this is all put on by Midsummer Bride magazine. For some reason, do you know why it's put on by Midsummer Bride magazine? Oh, this is the kind of thing that happens all the time. I understand that it happens all the time. And a local celebrity being given a gift like this, I completely understand. Like, they are wedding industry people. He's a florist. Yeah. And keeps dead animals in a <laughs> florist shop. And she's on the radio. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. But it's just never talked about. They won a contest. They won a contest. And all the other folks were part sponsors of that contest, right? So that's why she gets the Lily Lulu dress, and that's why Perfect Love Weddings is planning the wedding for her. Yes. And it's absolutely typical of local vendors like this to get together. Don't you Have a contest (laughs) and win the contest. Now- did you see the Midsummer Bride magazine cover that's on the big easel at the wedding and everything? Yes. That's I think that was good because that they would require that you do that, right? Yep. Even though they're paying for the wedding and it's your wedding, they would want to make sure they would have little requirements that you let everybody know this wedding brought to you by other than the, Midsummer Bride other magazine. Other than the dancing, that is the only thing where the bride and groom appear together. Wow. 
I didn't notice that. Yeah. So I thought a little bit about Midsummer Bride magazine. Okay. Speaking about um, all the brides that die in Midsummer, <laughs> and I thought, well, first of all, I don't it puts know. surviving your wedding day into new, per- yeah, new really. perspective. Have you ever really looked at bridal magazines? Uh, okay. Being on a, my second marriage, yeah. yes, I have. Okay, okay. So when you got married the first time, you guys planned a big wedding, yep. and you did look at bridal magazines It wasn't a then. huge wedding, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, because when you and I got married, we went to the courthouse on yep. a Tuesday morning. Yeah. It wasn't a thing. We didn't have a magazine to tell us how to do that. No. But they are, they're so uh, formulaic, right? I yeah. mean, the same stuff is covered every single issue all the time. And so I was thinking, what would be in the Midsummer Bride magazine, given what we know about Midsummer? Summer County and how brides fare there. Okay. What kind of articles would do well in Midsummer Bride? This, this sounds like a future reel coming up. So here. I came up with a couple. Okay. Um, this season's best bulletproof wedding dresses. Excellent. <laughs> you know, they're a little bit bulkier, but yep. if you camouflage that with lace and beading, nobody will know. And I think really, you know, a lot of wedding dresses are made so that you can't really wear a lot of undergarments with them. The foundation garments would show yeah. if you can't wear a bra, you got to wear like a bustier or whatever. But if it was bulletproof, that would probably give it enough structure to kind of hold you up Maybe, and everything. Yeah. It could be beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Or learn judo to get bridal fit and ready for self-defense. There we go. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so if you get attacked at your wedding, you might have a chance to fight them off. Nice. You never know. And last, how to prevent being poisoned at your wedding or getting your mother-in-law to taste the cake first. (laughs) I think those are all fantastic. I think those would be routine articles in Midsummer Bride. But we're missing the most important thing about the wedding. What? That Fleur talks about her marriages. (laughs) That she's been married multiple times in Vegas? Okay. They're missing an opportunity, which is Fleur in Vegas. Oh, okay. A show I would watch over and over just again. Just a flashback. <laughs> you know how Midsummer does flashbacks where they yeah. just take the today's actor and put them in yesterday's clothes to make them look like they're in a different time period? Yep. So it would be Fleur as she looks now. Yes. But dressed like a 70s go-go girl in Vegas getting married by Elvis. Elvis has to be in there. <laughs> Absolutely. And she would be on the motorcycle getting married. Yep. Oh. Her groom would be in the sidecar. It would be awesome. Yep. So I'm a little bit confused about one of the pieces of evidence that they find in Laurel's room. The beads that they find, they later connect to Hazel's wedding dress. Yes. So Hazel wasn't wearing that dress. No, she was going to lend it to Laurel. Okay. And she has the dress when she's smoking. Here's my point of confusion. Okay. You've seen Laurel and you've seen Hazel, okay? Everybody's beautiful. Everybody's great. Be proud of what you have. Those two women do not have the same kind of assets. No. Laurel is not going to fit in Hazel's dress. No. (laughs) Maybe the bottom half. Maybe. But not the top half. Not the top half. There's not enough stretch to go around. Maybe that's how the beads popped off. (laughs) They wouldn't even need to kill Serena with the confetti gun because Laurel putting on that dress, shooting metal beads at people, would probably have killed half a dozen. I think so. (laughs) They'd be shooting off. So the first place to stop, of course, is the radio station. Mm -hmm. And all of the scenes at market. 
Uh, Mark is watching at the radio station. Mark is paying no attention to what is happening. <laughs> Mark is paying attention to the signs in the background and the software on the computers. Well, this isn't the first time that Midsummer FM or Midsummer Radio has been mentioned, is it? Remember Midsummer Radio when it was the two people in it, like a kitchen sitting at a table? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so now this is a—they're a, an actual radio the, station. The, the, some of this might have been filmed in an actual radio station. But probably not the front office no. where Aisha's desk is. She's a producer. Okay. Right? Yes. So she's the person who sits on the other side of the glass in the booth and like cues you up to say it's commercial time or yep. we've got a call on line five. Right? Yes. That's her job? That is okay. her job as a radio producer. Why does she have a mic and sound equipment, sound editing software on her desk? I have that question in my notes okay. with no speakers. Well, I would assume she'd have to wear headphones if she's going to edit audio at her desk. Okay. Radio people are audiophiles. They right. have to be. Right. Okay. They would never edit with headphones. Is it real software? Uh, no. Not that I could see. It's they nothing mock, I recognize. They mocked up software? Uh, it's, it's nothing I recognized. Because it looks like real software. It, it's got... Tracks with levels and, and knobs. a master. It's got virtual knobs. It's got virtual knobs <laughs> like my software has. But <laughs> Okay, go on. So we have the following shows at the radio station. Now, this is all of the scenes. One of them I had to wait to the very end. <laughs> with the very last shot, just before it changes You're to another shot, <laughs> it suddenly goes clear. I wish you guys could see Mark watch Midsummer at his desk on two monitors with his glasses way down on the tip of his nose, inches away from his monitor, zooming in, trying to read posters, documents, screens. (laughs) This is his passion. Okay, so what do we got? So we got a regular show with a guy with headphones. He's like a DJ guy. Okay. It's called Party Time. Okay. Party time on Midsummer FM. Yep. Okay. Then they go continue with the the drive time, but there's a hard left turn. Mm-hmm. So so they have drive time. So they have party time and drive time. Okay. Guess who the DJ is for drive time? I don't know. John Sound. His oh. name is John Sound. A little nominative determinism there. Yep. Or is that his DJ name? I don't know. Because if it is, he's not very creative. No. <laughs> They also have a poster for the show with Jordan and Laurel. Okay. And all is it y- called Jerks on the Air or no, something? But they're kind of yelling at each other. Or it's Pratt kinda, points. It's kind of like that. Okay. But the big text you can read is have your voice heard and which, be insulted. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Okay. Then we go crazy. <laughs> on Sundays on Midsummer FM, you can listen to Sundays Chill. Okay. What do you think? When you think about Sunday Chill, what do you think as a radio I would think it's like laid back, easygoing music. Yeah, you wouldn't think uh, snowflakes, would you? No. But they're all over the poster. (laughs) Oh, because it's cold? It's Sunday Chill. It's chill? (laughs) Wow. Uh, The morning show is called Rise and Shine with Sam and Pat. (laughs) Two... Gender neutral names, so we don't know who they are. No, no, they're on the poster. Oh, okay. And it, there's a man and a woman. Okay, so. but which one's Sam and which one's Pat? You don't know. You'll never know. You'll never know. And then they must have an oldie show that's called The Golden Years. Ah. With Sally Marr. Is it gold? <laughs> 
<laughs> Does she have a calendar made of gold? <laughs> it's golden years. Oh. That's the kind of crap my students pull. And I'm like, hey, you need to put some graphics in this thing that you're making. And they just do a search for the word, yeah. grab the first image they see and pop it in. Yeah. It's chill. Snowflakes. There we go. Yeah. Get it? Chill. It's a freezer. I yeah. put a freezer on there because it's chilly. Get it? Uh, uh, she should not have that microphone or that software at her desk. Okay. Do you feel better now about that? Yes. Back at the cop shop, they hear a song being played. Because at the end of Laurel's last show on the radio before the wedding, she ended it by dedicating a song. Yes. A jazz tune. A jazz tune entitled Loving and Letting Go. By the Tiger Quartet. Okay. Loving and Letting Go is a song that many people have recorded, none of which are this song. Okay. So. Lots of songs with the same name. Lots of songs with the same name. Incredibly bad country song. Mm -hmm. The Tiger Quartet does not exist. Oh, man. Which I thought. I thought it was Tony the Tiger's band. No. I did a search for Tiger Quartet, and you get lots of string quartets playing Eye of the the Tiger. Tiger. (laughs) (laughs) I love that Winter pulls out his phone, doesn't say Shazam, but clearly uses Shazam to identify the song. And Barnaby says, okay, from now on, you have to put a pound every time in this this charity thing, every time you make me feel old. And Winter says, I'm not made of money. Did you it's see what line. the charity thing was? Uh-uh. It's, uh, it says, please give generously, and there are puppies on it. Oh, is it puppy charity? It's puppy charity. I wonder if they're the puppies that get dyed pink to match the flowers. Uh, I don't know. Bridezilla. So I downloaded and installed Shazam and used it on the music in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't help you at all because they're not real songs. Didn't help me at all. Not real songs. All of them... Did not come up. So let's talk about uh, Serena Madison, okay? So Serena is Gavin, the groom's ex. And she's also the proprietor of the wedding gown shop in town, Lily Lulu. Yes. Which is not Lululemon or Lulu the Row. It's Lily Lulu. Lulu. And she's his ex. Now, we learn that he dumped her on their wedding day. Yes. Which, I'm sorry, unacceptable. Yes. Gavin is a wiener. Okay. He knows it. He owns it. He accepts it. He's not proud of it. He's a wiener. And he gets his brother to tell her. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. Would you... (laughs) And we love Laura. My sister. Would you or have you had to cancel a wedding for Laura? She's been married a few times. (laughs) No, I have not done that. Yes, I would do that. You'd do that for Of your course sister. I would. Yeah. You don't have a brother. I would I would do it. Of course I would. Yeah. If she asked me to, she would know the weight of that. And I would say, Are you sure you want me to? You don't want to do it? I'll go with you if you want. And if she said no, I want you to, I'd be like, Okay, I'm gone. I'll do it. Yeah. You would too. I would too. For any of your siblings. I gotta tell you. It's a little late for most of them. They've been married for like fifty five years yes. apiece. So And from personal experience, canceling a wedding. One of the hardest things I ever had to do. <laughs> but you know what? You're not a wiener like Gavin is. <laughs> you did it and not the day of the wedding. No. <laughs> now people are like, huh? Like a dog that's heard a sound. What is this story that Mark's not telling? The story you'll never hear. Okay. Speaking of changing the subject. What's interesting to me about Serena 
is that she makes people take their shoes off when they come in. Okay. okay? Why? Why? No, no. Okay. Before that, <laughs> the blocking in the scene is all wrong. They walk up to the door. Okay. Mm-hmm. A door of a public retail shop. Yes. The door has a sign on it. What does the door sign say? Open. Open. Right. They knock on the door. Why did they knock on the door? Um, I don't know. She opens the door and says, you can now come in. Oh, really? You can now come into my retail establishment? Now, it's a small shop in which women try things on. There's not a back end to it. It's all right there in the front. So I kind of understand that when you're doing a consultation with a bride who's trying on a bunch of dresses, you don't want people just walking in and walking out. I get that. However, don't have an all glass front to your store if somebody's going to need some privacy. Now we can get it onto the shoes. <laughs> because she, and I watched, clearly has shoes on. Oh, yes. She's wearing shoes. It's men's dirty shoes that aren't allowed. Why are men not allowed to have shoes? I don't know. And then we come to Chekhov's winter Winter socks. Socks. <laughs> winter's winter socks. Chekhov's winter winter socks. That may be the name of the episode. Chekhov's winter no, winter no. socks. So if you're not familiar, this is a reference to Chekhov's gun. And Anton Chekhov, a famous playwright and writer. Short story writer. Short story writer yep. said... If a gun or something of equal import is is seen in the first act, it must be used before the end of the second act. Like something like that. You can't yeah. just have this like ginormous thing and it not foretell anything. My favorite one is whenever somebody says something like, "Their house is near a volcano." Oh, that volcano is going off. Or that boat's unsinkable. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. You know. Yeah. Then you know it's. We, we caught the shark. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> There's never... Or, or anything put dis- on display in a museum. Yeah. It gets stolen. Yeah. Yeah. In Jaws, they, they catch the one and they're like, oh, they're, they're lone animals. If there was one, there wouldn't be another yeah. one. Of course there is yeah. another one, right? So you're saying that his socks should come up again? What, I, what I'm saying <laughs> is they don't come up again. Right. They're kind of like anti-Chekhov's guns. But how would they come up again? I don't know. And like the the story beat is that he hasn't had time to do washing. Right. Which. He's not as polished as he has. He wants to appear, I guess. But they should have made a like a reference to it at the end. Like Sarah could have handed him a bag of a box, a laundry basket, like she had done his laundry or something. Or let him bring it over to or wash some, it at their house. Something. <laughs> you just want that loop to be closed. Something. So then so, I looked at the socks very carefully. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> they have snowmen on them. Yes. With sunglasses. Yes. They are super cool. They're snowmen. They're cute. They're very cute. So if this is the opposite of Chekhov's gun, what is it? What's the opposite of Chekhov? Sulu. (laughs) Okay, we've just gone Star Trek. Okay. The opposite of a gun is a a wiffle ball bat. So this is a Sulu's wiffle ball bat. That's yes, what you're saying. There you go. Okay, we'll go. We'll go with that. There are Gosh. others. Don't don't you worry. There are others. <laughs> this episode has weird things like that. They've also found the Madam X card in yes. Laurel's 
purse or bag yes. or whatever, and they don't know what it is. They don't know. Ooh, Madam X. Winter checks the PNC. You know what the PNC is? Mm-hmm. You do? Yeah. What is it? I don't remember what it stands it's for. the Police National Computer Service. Yes. Holmes. Yes. Is what most people call Holmes, it, is Holmes. <laughs> so then there is this weird, strange scene where... Juliet comes out of her wedding planning business, which would not have a retail outlet usually. They have to have an office of some sort. They might have an office. Yeah. And Jordan approaches her like he's been waiting for her to leave. Like he's just been outside, hovering, waiting. It's strange. He's creepy. I don't like him. I don't like him at all. No, you're not supposed to. I don't like the way he treats his daughter. I don't like the way he acts on the radio. No. So the cops go see Gavin to ask him about canceling the wedding. And he's at work. He's at work. The day after his wife was killed at their wedding, he's at work. Okay. I have some problems with days with this episode because when do you get married? You, they got married on a Friday night. Oh, they did? Yes, they did. Okay. There are a lot of people in that radio station for a Saturday morning after a wedding. They're all hungover. Well, but they do get married the on a Friday. Shop. Would this floor shop not be closed? Like, isn't he expected to go on his honeymoon? He thought that he could get his mind off things by going into work. You'd think he would have an assistant going, Gavin, go home. Gavin, get out of here. Yes. But we also see Serena scuttle away. Yes. Because she's brought him a bouquet. She is evil. She's really evil. (laughs) She went to another florist and got special flowers and get, like... I don't know. It'd be worse if she went in there, ordered a bouquet from him, paid for it, and then shoved it back at him. (laughs) Yeah, but she went to another florist, had a bouquet specially made up that she knew he would understand, and brought it to him. Yes, because he understands the special language of flowers. Yes. Do you know about the language of flowers? It's a Victorian thing. It is. Yeah. And it's code. Yeah. Yeah. They call it floriography. Floriography. It is the uh, the encryption of messages in flowers. It's oh. hardcore. It's serious. Okay. It's hardcore and it's serious, but it is a point of privilege. It's a rich person thing. No, not necessarily because you could pick wildflowers oh, okay. and give them to the person you hate. Okay. And send them a message if you wanted to. Here's a flower. I hate you. Why not just ignore them? <laughs> oh, because we're Victorians and and we like to go full out on everything. Yes. So I went digging. Okay. Gosh, I love ebooks. I love that I have access to an incredible library with a ton of electronic books that go way, way, way back and have all have character recognition on them so I can search them. Because I looked through four floriography books. Okay. From the mid-1800s. Nice. And compared what they said about certain flowers. Because what I wanted to know, my quest, was to create the meanest bouquet possible. Okay, first of all, is Gavin right with his evaluation of the flowers that she gave him? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But the reason why I prevaricate about that is because the same flower can mean really different things. Yeah. 
right? It, is it like kind of opposite? This things. plus is this equals this. No, but this plus something else equals. No, something. it's just this flower could mean I love you or I hope you die. That's not depending really, on who you ask. It's not messages I want to cross. And some of the same sources have like a list of what a flower means and include things like I love you and I hope you die. Oh, so it's confusing. Yeah. For example. You can see across the room here. Yes. I have a chart. Oh, you do? Right? Wow. This is a list of flowers. Here are the good things they can mean and the bad things they okay. can mean. Okay. It's amazing. Okay. I'm going to, I want to tell you a, f- a few of the really fun ones and then I'll, I'll tell you about my, my meanest bouquet I can make. Okay. I, I'm just amazed by how specific they can be. Okay. Like a peony. Yes. Can, can mean bashfulness or compassion or bravery. Okay. But it can also mean anger and shame. Those are different things. Very different yes. things. Um, a petunia can mean your presence is soothing to me. Or I disdain you. <laughs> I resent you. I'm not as prideful as you are. <laughs> Those don't go together. No. There's a plant called the dragon plant that if you include it in a bouquet means I'm going to get you. That's just, that's all it means. There's no good meaning for it. It's just, I'm going to get you. Some of them are kind of uh, obvious, like nettles are for cruelty, (laughs) which, yeah, stick your face in that bouquet and see what you get. (laughs) You rub your cheek against a nettle. You're going to be really sorry. But just just these incredibly specific ones. Uh, Let's see. Hydrangeas mean you're cold. Okay. They could also mean, I appreciate you and thank you for being understanding. (laughs) Those are like diametric opposites. Yes. Licorice could be rejuvenation or I declare I am against you. Gum cystus. Yeah, that's the name of a plant. It's kind of pretty though. It's a little white flower. Okay. Only means I shall die tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do you just send a bouquet of gum cystus to all of your friends to say, uh, if you want to come see me, this is it. I'm... (laughs) Tomorrow I'm gone. Maybe Serena should have had some of those in hers. And marigolds, which are a pretty common flower, their good meaning is constructive loss. Okay. Their bad meaning is you have a vulgar mind. I think that's probably constructive. (laughs) Why is that a message you even need to send? No. Like if somebody says something rude to you, just don't talk to them anymore. Don't send them a bouquet of marigolds to tell them. Oh. Certainly don't put in a review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> okay, so here's my ultimate bouquet. Yeah. It includes the following flowers. Pet- okay. Petunias. Yes. Columbines. Yes. Oleander. Okay. Lavender. Yes. And a flower called a quamclet. Q- <laughs> Q-U-A. You told me not to make boob jokes. <laughs> you spell it Q-U-A-M-O-C-L-I-T. Quamoclit. Okay. It's a pretty little flower. I'd never heard of it before. All those flowers, except for that Qu- one. Quamoclet. <laughs> are fairly regular. Oh, yeah. Too. They're normal flowers. Yeah. We have some of them growing in our yard. Yeah. Okay. So the positive meaning of this, this bouquet yes. could be, your soothing strength and beauty comfort me. I was devoted and in love with you from first sight. That's a wonderful message. Or. Or. Fear me. I'm dangerous. <laughs> I feel only anger and disdain for you because you're cuckolding foolish busybodiness. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> the same flowers. How do you know? Mom. 
How do you know? Wow. So maybe he's misinterpreting her bouquet. Maybe. Maybe hers means the nice version. (laughs) And not, I disdain your cuckolding foolish (laughs) busybodiness. There is so much in this episode because we have yet to even get to the dead rabbit in this scene. Oh, and by the way, if anybody ever gives you geraniums as a gift, yeah. throw them right back in their face because they mean stupidity. Oh, jeez. They mean you're a dummy. Okay. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I I just love that Oleander means beware, I'm dangerous. <laughs> I will die tomorrow. Beware, I'm dangerous. <laughs> I'm going to get you. You cuckold, foolish, folly, idiot, busybody. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the quamoclet is can either mean love at first sight or you're a busybody. <laughs> wow. Mixed messages. Same difference. You know? Yeah, you know. Oh, well. It kind of explains a lot of the Victorian fiction where everybody is like, I love him, I hate him, he loves me, he yeah, hates me. Yeah, I guess so. Because it's all like they don't even know what their bouquets mean. <laughs> no. Maybe we should plant some quamoclits, though, just so we can tell people that's what yes. they are, because it's fun to say. Anyway, so, go so on. So Gavin wants to point the finger at somebody, and his likely suspect, rightly so, is the person sending Laurel dead animals. Yes, like roadkill in a box with a ribbon tied around its and tongue. And they said, quite rightly, we threw them all away. And Gavin goes, Except hold one. on. <laughs> Except one, I kept one. Except for one, I kept one. In the chiller at work. Okay, so now I go on the weirdest search of this episode. Which is, would a florist have a freezer? Yes. Okay. What equipment is required to open a flower shop? Yeah, I know they keep flowers chilled to keep them fresh. So they have fridges. Yes. They have professional chillers. Yeah. Which The glass-fronted uh, cases yes. where they keep the buckets. Do you know how much one of those would cost? They're expensive. Just give me an estimate. $3,000. Yeah, about that. 2600 to 3000 I looked at a number of them. Okay. In fact, there are a number of articles on websites about starting floor shops, about warning you not to get a freezer, that you cannot freeze dry oh, no. plants no. in a freezer. A freeze dryer is a completely different. Oh, it's different, totally different. Different item. Yeah. Right? It's not a freezer. No. So, in fact, many of the sites I went to said, you do not need or want a freezer in your florist shop. <laughs> but Gavin. He's got a freezer. He's got a freezer. Maybe and it's just for personal use. Maybe it's where he keeps his snacks and, and his dead rabbit. Dead rabbits. In a box. So he pulls out the box. They look in the box at the dead rabbit and the thing about the dead rabbit is... It's got a ribbon around its tongue. Ribbon around its tongue, just like Laurel. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I think this is a real taxidermied rabbit okay. with a very fake tongue. You know what I said? No rabbit no- has a tongue three inches long. No. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. You know what's in my notes about the rabbit? What? Best dead body. <laughs> <laughs> That's not real body acting, though. Not playing possum. He's playing roadkill. No. Okay. So then we take the rabbit to Fleur, mm-hmm. who suggests that they, they should cook, cook it. it. <laughs> uh, and then 
finds out that it probably has RTC damage. Do you know what that is? Uh, road. I don't know. Traffic crash. Yes. Okay. And says, wait a minute, Flopsy, which is a name Beatrix of a Potter reference. Has a chip. Has a chip. And I went on another search. Meaning it's a pet rabbit. Which is, should you get your pet rabbit microchipped? The resounding answer is yes. Yeah. You should get your. Yeah. Because you should they get, get lost. any pet that you have that you can microchipped. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Prison cookbook. So we go back to the house. And Phil, who's only been out of prison for three months, is making chutney. The HMO Bargrove Farm Shop Cookbook, Volume 1. HMP, Her Majesty's Prison. It's not all porridge and fresh meat. Uh, It has a smarmy title on it. There's no fresh meat in prison. I know that. It's all porridge. Yes. He's making pear and ginger ginger chutney. I looked up a bunch of pear and ginger chutney Mm -hmm. recipes. They look good. He looks like he's cooking it correctly. Yeah. So I was wondering about these cookbooks because it's kind of like like a a WI cookbook, it looks like. Like a women's institute or, you know, the the parents organization or something puts together a cookbook. The prison cookbooks go back a long way. Oh, okay. And they're not always written by prisoners, for prisoners. They're often written by the people who run the prison. The world of prison-related products is amazing. It's weird. If you ever get your hands on a prison product catalog, Mm -hmm. they are an incredibly interesting thing to look at. Well, you would expect this one to be like a fundraising cap, like a fundraising cookbook, yeah. right? It's so, like the WI, but with prisoners. Right. So I looked around at prison cookbooks. The oldest one I could find was written by Jeremy Bentham. Oh, of he, Panopticon fame. Uh, for his Panopticon prison. Oh. Which if you've never heard of it, you Panopticon should- Panopticon de- cookbook. You should definitely Google it because the Panopticon prison is this donut shaped prison where the wardens are in the middle and all the prison cells face the center so that they can easily be observed at all times. It's a, it's a very kind of creepy design that was adopted by quite a few people. Which, and, like most 19th century prison situations, was thought to be a humanitarian reform. Yeah, but Jeremy Bentham is also the m- most popular taxidermied man. Yeah, in a di- he's a weird dude. He's still around. They it's wheel him out. Hat. Speaking of things in yep. a little case. Yep. Um, but... Does he have his tongue out with a ribbon? <laughs> a ribbon on it. There are some other famous um, prison cookbooks. Okay. Like recently, Ja Rule and Prodigy, both rappers, wrote prison cookbooks. Oh, okay. Because they were um, in prison. Oh. Um, and they get creative with what they can get a hold That's of in prison. That's tough to do. Yeah. It's kind of like a dorm cookbook. Oh, <laughs> Like okay. how many things you can do with ramen that oh. you can buy in the commissary. Um, but speaking of the Yorkshire Ripper... The other person who's written a cookbook, Rose West, wrote a prison cookbook. Rose West. She was convicted of helping her partner kill 11 women. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She wrote a cookbook. But my favorite one is Maybe called... Maybe I'm going to give that one a pass. My favorite one is called From the Big House to Your House? The Big House to Your House. Question mark? Yes. <laughs> like, you too can cook like you're in prison, even if you're at home. Awesome. So there you go. Martha Stewart should have done one when she was in prison. She totally should have. That would have been a bestseller. Absolutely. Okay, there's a silly hole in the wall scene, and then we get to picture plants. Yes, because Phil's got a greenhouse. Okay. All Phil's got's hobbies. Okay. Now that he's out of prison. <laughs> what is Phil making? Chutney. With what in it? Pears and ginger, but he doesn't grow those things. He grows, Why does he not grow those things? He grows instead, carnivorous plants. Instead, he draws... <laughs> 
Well, if for no other reason than pears and ginger both take a lot longer than three months to grow. Metaphorical They take pears years and to grow. <laughs> so um, pitcher plants grow a little bit quicker. But he's, you know, he's giving them away to the minister at the prison. So because they're metaphorical. Yeah. About sliding down into doom or something. Something. Grace sneaks out in the worst sneaking out of all time. She she comes down the stairs. Clum, 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 no, clum. she doesn't have her boots on yet. So she's silent. No. She so would have been heard. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how long her mom has been gone or where she's gone to, but Jordan is clearly an overbearing parent. Yeah. I would think he would have ears like radar. Yeah. Now, he's listening to music, and, you know, British houses have a door on every room that's always closed, so maybe that helps. But, yeah, it's not hard for her to get out because she's working for Madam X. Then the... The episode spends this weird kind of 15-minute period in the middle trying to frame Gavin for this crime. Yeah. And he looks super guilty. He's got $15,000 in credit card debt. Well, there's this whole storyline about Gavin's brother, right? Yes. So Gavin is the older brother. His younger brother, Noel, is dead. Yes. He had an epileptic fit, supposedly. That's what Phil tells us is he died of an epileptic fit. But we find out later he he died of a drug overdose. But there's this whole like guilt thing, yes, right. So, so this is the this is the brother that Gavin asked to tell Serena that he was canceling the wedding. Yes. So you have to wonder, like, did that push him to do <laughs> drugs? Was he already on drugs? It would like, not be an easy thing. No, 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 no. But Phil was in prison when he died. Yeah, that's legitimately. Here's here's the roller coaster, right? Yeah, we've been. Up when we have the carnivorous plants, and isn't that funny? And then down. My son died while I was in prison for fraud. Yes. Oh, and by the way, I was in prison for fraud because I embezzled money to pay for rehab for my son. Sarah asks Hazel if she's okay. Says, you're a brilliant mom. I'm like, and a great killer. (laughs) (laughs) She's not a good killer. No, she's a horrible killer. Mm -mm. Let's talk about the tortoise at the end. Yes, at the end. Okay, so there's a wedding show because everybody has to get together and do something. Because every village has a theme, and this is the wedding village, apparently. Yeah. So they've got all the businesses related to weddings, and they're going to have a wedding show. The production people do a nice poster for the wedding show. Yeah, they do. And it's a nice catwalk. It's realistic. That's what wedding shows look like. I don't know why Jordan is DJing it. I don't know either. But he is. And Serena gets shot by a confetti cannon that could not kill her and is not even aimed at her. No, it's amazing. I'm sorry, but no. The best part, the, so in the recreation of this crime, it shows Hazel pouring the ball bearings down the tube, mm-hmm. metal tube. Mm-hmm. Okay. I double checked. There's no sound because that would make the loudest sound ever. When you're pouring them in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the confetti cannons that I saw are all pneumatic. Yeah. And they just don't have that much pressure no. because they're just shooting up confetti. They're shooting paper. They wouldn't shoot ball bearings. They wouldn't shoot them with that kind of force. And they're aimed up. And Serena is shot like in her chest from the front. Yeah. So it just doesn't work. No. I mean, it's creative, but it, but it is, it's not feasible. Though I will admit, though I've seen this episode many times, I jumped you did? when they went off. Oh. oh, yeah. It startled me. I was like, whoa. Oh, oh yeah, she's dead now. Well, she had she was doing cocaine in the back. <laughs> Why is she a cocaine addict? Like, I don't know. It's just not needed. There's no sign of it. And then all of a sudden, 
doesn't she change her will so that Gavin inherits everything from her too? Um, I think that's what her will already said. And yeah. she was about to change she it. She was going to change it. So she must have secretly hoped they were going to get back together. So it's like, I got to frame Gavin again. Well, I don't, I, no, I don't think that she was trying to frame him. I just, I think when they were going to be married, it was her intent to leave everything to him if she did die. And she just hadn't changed it yet. Yeah. But now that he was marrying somebody else, really marrying somebody else, she was going to wait until the, the, the wedding was done because, you know, he's prone to change his mind at the last minute. Who knows? And then once they were married, she says, oh, I better change it. It's time to have another sad thing. What, Phil doing dr- dealing drugs at the prison? At the prison farm shop. <sighs> I don't know why that plot's there. He, of all people, knows the damage that drugs do. She why could- would he have anything to do with it and they i don't can, care who's they can, blackmailing him or what they confront him at home they know all the interrogations at home in yeah, this episode. yeah 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 they confront him at home and hazel with a straight face looks at him and says you promise well lady you promise not to kill any more people the phone rings ring 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 hello hello who is this oh this is pot who oh, is this this is kettle oh i'm black are you yes yes <laughs> She, you promised. I'm like, Hazel. Hypocrite much? Jeez. All, am, I'm, all I'm doing is killing people. I'm not dealing drugs. In my notes, it says, you are the worst person ever. <laughs> I don't know why Aisha needs to be in love with Laurel. They could have just been no. friends. She doesn't need yeah. to be in love with her. Yeah. The whole old lady plot. It's just. Yeah, I don't. Marcia doesn't need to be there. Um, She's a great actor. This is her last part, by the way. Yes. Um, Her name was Liz Frazier. She was in a ton of the Carry On movies. She played a hilarious ditzy blonde when she was younger. She's very funny. Very funny. Okay, so we're we're at the point we're almost at death number three. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about this. Let's go through the three deaths. Okay. Okay. Because talking motive. Because the end of the episode is really sad, and I don't want to make people realize. Like, I don't, we need to talk about tone there, okay. not the mechanics of these killings. Okay. So let's talk about the mechanics of these killings. Okay. The first killing, okay? Hazel is not strong enough to wrestle the big boobed Amazon <laughs> onto the bed and kill her with her corset. It is just not possible. Never mind that. A dress like that, those corset lacing on the outside, that is just decorative. It's because just the decorative. last thing you want in a corset, a really functional corset, is slippery cords. The you cords were. need to be grippy almost. Yeah. Otherwise, if you let them go even for a second, the whole thing just whoop, loosens. There is no way she could have physically overcame her. And not knocked her glass of champagne yes. out of her head. <laughs> well, I just think Laurel's dedicated to that champagne. <laughs> She's hardcore. I may be dying, but I'm not going to drop my drink. Okay. Hello. Death number two. But, but Mark, she didn't mean to kill her, but then she was just dead. Okay, but... You were on her back. Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking you were doing? <laughs> I'm tickling her until she tells me the truth about my son. Okay. Death number two, we went over, not shot, not in the right direction, not possible. Death number three is... Really unfeasible. Really the most unfeasible. Okay, so this is the idea we have, that... Aisha is on the balcony. goes to the house Mm -hmm. 
to find out why Jordan broke in. Mm -hmm. Goes all around the house enough to find out to that, listen in. that she's in her she's in their bedroom. Mm -hmm. They come home. Mm -hmm. Instead of sneaking out of the back, she stands right outside the door. She goes onto the balcony. When Hazel pulls the drapes open, she should scream because yeah. Aisha's just standing there in the dark, like two inches from the glass. <laughs> so then the glass on the balcony, another multi-million dollar home. Maybe you should sell your freaking house instead of... They are. Well, I know, but still, the Beauvoisins. <laughs> so that balcony is gorgeous, first yeah. of all. And the glass, which I have to think health and safety says, has to be at least four feet. I would I would say three to four feet. Yes. Now, and Aisha's short. And Aisha's short. So it's so not waist height to her. her off that... You'd have to probably... You'd either have to lift her up... yeah. Or push her from the top. Push her from the top and then grab her feet to, to keep her going over. Because if not, her feet would come up and kick you in the face. Yeah. So then she falls 10 feet. It's one story. Yeah. Okay. Onto wood. Onto wood. She might be dead. She might have landed on her head. Maybe. I guess. That how, you could definitely die. How close point. did they live to the radio station? I don't know. How did they transport her body to the radio station? They put her in the car. What is no slip paint? A grippy, no. It's grippy paint. It's yeah. got sand in it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you climb the radio tower, you might get it on you. That's yeah. what they're saying. Yeah. And but she didn't. She had none of that. Because she didn't fall from the radio it is tower. It's the worst frame job ever. I mean, you accidentally shove somebody. She says it was an accident. Is Hazel on drugs? And they die. You think, well, they fell 10 feet. Let's take them somewhere where it looks like they fell 100 feet. Yeah. Everybody will believe that that's what happened. Yes. We go back to the DJ station, to the radio station, because that's where they find out. And wait a minute. Home. And Phil helped her with Aisha. Yes. Right? Oh, when we get to so who's he, going to prison. He should have Phil's called the police right then. Yep. Because he didn't know about the other two, right? Supposedly. So he's... He, if, if you this, promised, if this was us, you'd be thinking, honey, it was an accident. We can tell them it was an accident. Yep. I saw it. Yeah. That's what happened. It was clearly an it's going to be okay. She scared you. She was outside of our house. Yep. You defended She's yourself. She's an intruder. Yep. Now, if I come back and say, well, but I did kill two other people earlier this week. Yes. Then you would have to go, okay, I guess we got to take her to the radio tower. You know, so now he's in on it. Yes. He's at least an accessory. So they find her body at the radio station. And they go inside the radio station to find out her timetable. And they have this amazing app called DJ and Call Screen Pro version 3. Okay. Okay. There's a call from Steve from Badger's Drift in it. <laughs> okay. I didn't even look at that. Okay. The software is not that interesting. I got most of the posters from that scene. Is this the scene where the guy is like, well, we've got eight hours of fill-in yes. radio? And this is the best mom, mom, I got a part. Oh, that guy? Ever. Yeah. Because he is... Like Jeff, the radio manager or something? His name is John his name the actor's name is Johnny Freeman which sounds like a radio DJ guy's name voice Johnny here. Freeman and he is Jeff the station manager Jeff the station mag manager on he, the chill he's hour. got lines he comes out of yep. nowhere yep he's, definitely mom mom I got he's an informed dude at the radio station yep. 
who's got some evidence that makes Jordan not have an alibi. I'm excited by the posters. I'm excited by the computer screen. I'm excited <laughs> by mom, mom, get apart. Yeah. And then I'm completely forget all of it. Why? So what is Winter doing in that scene? I don't know. He's at the back computer uh-huh. and he's looking at footage from the, the CCTV. Okay. Everything, everything on that desk uh-huh. is red. The staple. What? The cup. How did I not telephone. see that? Everything Whose is red. Whose desk is it? I don't know, but everything on that desk is red. That's some kind of the joke. The red desk set. That's got to be a joke. <laughs> I was like, what? And it's all pushed to one corner. Like, this is where we keep the red desk accessories. <laughs> Somewhere else there's a yellow desk. Yeah. That's weird. It's That's very, super weird. Very Way weird. to go, set set people. Yeah. Good job. Sarah Barnaby does the worst thing she could possibly ever do at this point in time. She takes some food over. Okay. She's totally meddling this whole episode. Yeah. She goes to see um, Marcia, which nobody asked her to do. No. And then she goes to see Gavin, which nobody asked her to do. No. She's meddling. She's yeah. being nosy or something. Yeah. And Hazel is smoking like it's an evil thing to do. She's like, ah. <sighs> You like, quit in college. Why does she have the the bag, the wardrobe bag over her shoulder? I don't know. Where, where is she going? I don't know. Is that bag supposed to contain her dress? Yes. And that's why Marcia thought it was a humpback over in the corner when she saw Laurel go yes. talk to somebody in the dark. Yes. Which means, wait a minute. That means that Laurel and Hazel, both named after plants, by the way. Yes. Talk in the shadows outside and then go inside and then, and then Hazel her. attacks her. Yes. <sighs> Why would they? Uh, Laurel's like, I got to go change into that dress that won't fit me. I have in my notes, the Amazon could easily kick her ass. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, it, you know, if Kelly Brooke and Finello Woolgar want to get into a fight, I'm betting on Kelly Brooke all day yeah. long. All day long. What? I, there's this whole thing about who Laurel, who Laurel really is, right? I think Marcia is there to say Laurel was a good person. Yeah. She did have a good side. She was. She played this part in her radio show that she was supposed to play. You know, she was controversial. She was a little bit mean. That was her role in the show. But she was actually a nice person because yep. she's nice to Marcia. She plays the song for Marcia. Yep. She helps her, right? But then Hazel has it in her head that Laurel thinks that some people can't be saved, that euthanasia is good. And when Laurel's talking about that, she's thinking about Marcia and her poor husband. Yes. She's not thinking about Hazel's drug addicted son, but Hazel is convinced Hazel she's and clearly Phil talking about my son. Are the worst communicators ever. Yes. Yes. They are horrific communicators. I cannot imagine what it's like to be a parent of a kid who has an addiction. It must be heartbreaking constantly. I get that, and I get that part of their relationship. What I don't get is how Hazel, who is a psychiatrist, yes, is not self-aware enough to go, maybe Laurel's not talking about us when she's talking about that yeah. on the radio. <laughs> she could be talking about anything. So in a weird turn, the episode goes dark. Mm-hmm really quickly it starts the darkness starts with hedge clippers to sarah barnaby's neck before that sarah's uncomfortable she's getting out of there yeah 
and Hazel snaps. Something about Sarah wanting to leave makes Hazel think, I can't let her go. She knows that the dress is the dress. She thinks that Sarah knows that she was the one outside smoking that Laurel talked to. Yeah. And that's, she just jumps to conclusions. She does. I don't think Sarah knows anything about that. No. She just thinks this family is weird right now. They need their privacy. I've done my part. I was just going to say hi. I drop a casserole off. I'm going to go. It escalates super quick. She was going to leave it on the doorstep. She didn't even, I I take it back. She wasn't trying to meddle because she didn't even ring the doorbell. She wasn't going to go in. Yeah. Gavin sees her there and opens the door and invites her in. Yeah. So Sarah takes off running. She wants to get away. And Hazel jumps on her and then grabs hedge clippers, shears, and puts them against her throat. Yeah. I cannot believe they tackle her when she's got blades to Sarah's throat. Yeah. That's so dangerous. Yeah. They should have made sure that she put them down first. They should have been like, stop, stop, or I'll say stop again. Put those down. (laughs) No, Barnaby just reacts and tackles her. No. And then, okay, so that's a low. Yeah. Okay, but now we're going to turn it down a little bit lower because we're going to do a public interrogation in front of your entire family. Yes, on your patio. But wait. Where you killed someone. Wait, wait. We're going to turn it down again Mm -hmm. because you're going to tell this incredibly sad story about your child's addiction and his death. And you blaming other people and your financial ruin because of this. That's incredibly sad. And your marriage falling apart because your husband went to prison because of the addiction. All of that. And your other son is going to admit that he let his brother die. But that's this, this, uh, this interrogation scene. When you get done a certain part, Midsummer goes, oh, no, wait, there's more. Yeah. Because it turns down again because Gavin goes, Oh no, it wasn't them. It was me. I let and him she die. goes, You killed him. And he goes, Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to turn it down a little bit more. No, I didn't. I just walked away. I just walked away. What an incredibly sad, horrific family situation, story. This may be one of the saddest things that's in Midsummer. Gavin's just lucky that she didn't know it until then because she would have killed him too. Yeah. Because she's going to kill everybody who she thinks has anything to do with Noel's death. Yeah. Just an incredible change of tone. This is not how you deal with grief. Yep. You know how you deal with grief? You dress up like a turtle. So the next scene, everyone is upset about this and they go through, oh no, wait, there's a costume scene. (laughs) Yes. Now there's a bunny race and a tortoise with antenna. What? What? (laughs) The growls. First of all, nobody in America says tortoise. I'm saying that to be funny. We say tortoise. We say tortoise. Only the Brits say tortoise. Yes. Do they? How do they say it in Canada? Tortoise, because that's the way everyone else says it. How about Quebec? I don't know. They say tortoise. La tortoise. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Quebec. (laughs) But you would get sorry. You. This episode will give you emotional whiplash. Yeah. Because that scene at the end is sad. Yeah. And Sarah looks heartbroken that her friend is so broken. And it ends with, I did this all for you. Yeah. Then. Costumes. Costumes. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) It's so weird. I'm really glad they didn't do a flashback to the party where Sarah and John met. Because that would have been super awkward. She would have had like big hair and like stonewashed jeans. 
and he would have been stuck in the door. Yeah. It was a good shell. He's though. a good dad. He's the, a good dad. the shell is well made. He's a very good dad. But, but that scene just leaves you like, oh, where am I again? Of the gut pen punch of the scene before it. Okay, best corpse. <laughs> nice corpse. Okay. Laurel, I gotta Serena, say, or Laurel Aisha. or the bunny. Laurel is really good. I'm going with Laurel. Both on the slab and in the bed. Yep. Laurel's pretty good. She does a good job. Yep. The, the tongue alone. Yeah. It's not maggots in your mouth, but it's pretty good. It's 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 dead guy in the trap circle, maggots in your mouth, Laurel. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay, how about after the credits? After the credits. Okay. Does Gavin keep the flower shop? Uh, Gavin owns half the high street now. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to keep the flower shop. Okay. What happens with the Madam X business? I think it's probably exposed. Yeah. Some tell some reporter's going to get a hold of that. Yeah. Okay. So so this well, Gavin has a lot of money and a lot of property now, but he needs it because he has therapy bills for days. Well. Why do you think he has all this money? Well, he has the shop. He has Laurel's inheritance, but he's whatever got, that he's is. He's got debt. He has debt. And his mom's going to need a lot of legal yeah. help. He's going to have to sell dad. everything. Yeah. Everything has to be sold. Yeah. So I don't think he's going to be Never well mind off. dealing with the crushing mental situation. That he's the only person in his family who's not dead or in prison? Yes. Yeah. Because dad's going to jail. He's an accessory for sure. Yeah. Oh, that whole family is just sad. Yeah. What about uh, Jordan and Grace? Think they're going to make up and be good dad and daughter? No, I don't. I don't think their relationship is in any way mended or helped. I don't think so either. Uh, I think Marcia, Marcia is, understands, you know, that what happened happened and she's happy, but sad for Laurel. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And then Juliet, she's, I don't know. She is so jaded about love and weddings. She, she and Serena both are really good actors for their clients. Yeah. Like, oh, you're in love. Isn't that wonderful? I secretly know that this is going to fall apart. And I'm so jaded about the whole thing. Um, Which you, you'd have to be. You gotta, I would imagine if you work in the wedding industry, you have to say, Congrats on your wedding. I can't follow up with you. Yeah. I hope it works out. Yep. If you get married again, come see me. Yeah. (laughs) Renew your vows. You know, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Oh, boy. That is Till Death Do Us Part, season 20, episode five. Be careful what bouquets you give people. You don't know how they'll interpret them. Do not get married in Midsummer County. Don't. Definitely not. Everybody Midsummer. Go to Vegas to get married. Work yep. for Floor. Work for, well, kind of. She didn't die. No. <laughs> so it worked. I still want the spinoff show, Floor and Sarah in Vegas. Floor's Adventures. I yeah. I would just follow Floor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody can guarantee that the marriage is going to work. But if you leave Midsummer, you might live to see the next day. Maybe. Maybe you'll make it to the honeymoon. Maybe. All right. So what we got coming up next? Episode 25. Uh, sorry, episode 122, Send in the Clowns. Yeah. Sorry, Sarah. Yes. Sarah doesn't like clowns. And that'll be released April 25th. Yep, next week. Season 20, episode six. And then we move into 
season 21 where we did mini episodes. So we're now the penultimate into the season. We're now into the point where we have started the podcast and these are episodes that were released after we started the podcast. Yep. So if you haven't watched those episodes, do listen to the mini episode before you watch yes, um, the I season 21. A, They're spoiler free mini episodes. I will put the mini. So this is what we'd like you to do. We'd like you to <laughs> listen to the mini episode for season. These are season 21 episodes and yep. we'll go over this again. Yeah. Then watch the episode. Yep. Well, actually click like, and subscribe <laughs> on all the videos yeah. and reels and then watch the episode and then listen to the podcast. Yes. That's what we want. Yes. That, that, all that content is coming your way. Yeah. I wanted to see a bump in those mini episodes. I just think that uh, it'll be impossible for us not to reference things we mentioned in the mini episode. Yes. So please listen Certainly to them. Certainly the pronunciation of Chinook. They're a few minutes long and they don't spoil the episode. No. But they will help you watch it like a maniac. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So you can find Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. Also on the Facebook groups for Midsummer and Acorn and the subreddit and everywhere else there are maniacs. If you're listening, watching, or in any way connected to YouTube, like and subscribe on YouTube and hit the bell. We are less than 300 subscribers away from 1,000. Mm-hmm. Please let us get there. That would be awesome. That would be absolutely awesome. Uh, the next episode is 122, Send in the Clown, Season 20, Episode 6. Hold on, I'm coming up with something. Okay. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. One thing I forgot to mention on this little last note here, okay, after the credits or whatever, is that there are actually some edible things that are listed in the floriography list. You can make an evil salad <laughs> if you have if you have lettuce and figs and the edible parts of um, a nettles and almonds. You have a salad that means you are a cold-hearted, indiscreet, stupid asshole. <laughs> And that's going at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs>